Welcome to the Wandering Bard Podcast. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. I have a couple notes that I'd like to discuss before getting into the tune for this week. First, I'd like to thank the friends at the Pohick Regional Library for having me and my band, McPherson's Pocket Watch, as part of their Featured Artist Spotlight last month. This show was special, not just because the audience was so great, but it was also the day that my daughter was born. Yes, I know what you're thinking. Did you really play a show the same day that your daughter was born? I did. I made sure my wife was okay with it, and I made sure my mom was there to take care of her as well before I left. My daughter came a few weeks early, and the show had been planned for months in advance. There was one really great moment of the show that I'd like to share. There's a tune called The Bluemont Waltz, that I'm particularly fond of. It's probably my favorite tune to play, and I learned this tune in Ireland the last time that I was there. The story goes like this. I was sitting at a session in Ennis in this quaint little pub that pretty much had everything you would imagine or romanticize when you think about playing music in an Irish pub. There was a small fire going, the crowd was small but involved, and the session goers were all friendly and inclusive, and the music was flowing, but there was this one little kid kind of sitting beside me for the whole session, not really playing much. He was a young Guatemalan boy, and at one point the session leader prompted him for a tune. So he pulls out this little whistle, and he plays this tune that just completely blew me away. He poured his entire heart into this tune, and you could hear the edges of his instrument as he was playing. The next day I went to the lady that I go with to study, and I asked her about this. I told her the story. And she contacted the session leader, who then got in touch with a boy, and then eventually made its way back to me that the tune was called the Bluemont Waltz. Well, the funny thing about this tune is that it's an Appalachian tune, which means this Guatemalan kid somehow learned this American Appalachian tune. He went to Ireland in a pub where I just happened to be and played this tune where then I learned it. The next day, I spent the entire day at this little pub at this base of this castle all by myself. I was the only one in the pub. And I just had a couple Guinnesses, and I worked my way through this tune. And like I said, now it's one of my favorites. So it was the first thing that I played to my newborn daughter in the hospital when she was born. A couple hours later, I went to the show, and at the beginning of the show, I held up my hand, and I showed him the wristband from the hospital and announced that I was a new father. They all cheered, and later on in the show, I told him the story of how I came to learn this tune and how I played it for my daughter in the hospital just a couple hours earlier. Well, with their okay... I also called my wife on FaceTime during the show and introduced my daughter Mirabelle to the world and the audience. So I played this tune for Mirabelle and the audience and they all kind of got to connect and it was just a really beautiful little moment. And just in case you're wondering, all the money that I made from that show went straight to my daughter's college fund. I didn't go out boozing after the show. I'm not that crazy. I also had a couple people contact me about the whiskey subject that I started to get into on last month's podcast. It's a field people seemed pretty interested in, so while it's not directly related to music, it is kind of related to the field of Scottish and Irish folk music, so I'll probably get into that at some point later down the road. But I did want to touch on one thing, and that's the spelling of whiskey with the E or without the E. That's kind of a soft rule. There's no governing body about the E or no E, and the reason this came up is because I had a friend who happened to be drinking some Maker's Mark, which is an American whiskey, which 
should have an E in it if you listen to the podcast and you follow the rules, but it doesn't. I did a little digging, and it turns out that Maker's Mark just kind of, I think, does this as a marketing kind of tool. If you go to their Wikipedia, they kind of say that it's one of the few American whiskeys that's spelled with no E. There are definitely laws in places like the United Kingdom and the United States about what can be referred to as bourbon and what can be called scotch. Scotch, for example, it's called the Scotch Whiskey Regulation 2009. It's a statutory law that was passed by the Parliament of the United Kingdom in October of 2009. And it basically it repealed some of the older laws like the Whiskey Act of 1988 and the Scotch Whiskey Order of Northern Ireland from 1988. And it you know kind of goes into the parameters for what scotch has to go through in order to be referred to as scotch. So some of these things are laws, but the E, no E thing, it's kind of a soft rule. This week, I'm going to be talking about a Irish music composer whose name is Patty Fahey. I kind of have a list of tunes and composers and songs with interesting anecdotes, and it kind of sets the order for which podcast I'm going to do next. But Patty Fahey actually passed away a couple weeks ago. And so I figured it might be apt to kind of bump him up in the order of priority a little bit. Patty Fahey was born 22 August 1916 and was widely considered one of the finest living composers. He was also a fiddler himself, but he never made a commercial recording. But if you go on YouTube, you can find a couple videos of his playing. He was originally from Kilconnell in East Galway, and his music has a distinctive yearning magical quality often referred to as Driacht, D-R-A-I-O-C-H-T. I'd been exposed to some of Patty Fahey's music throughout my time fiddling, and I always had a lot of difficulty with them. They're kind of unconventional, and I was glad to find out that it wasn't just me. He was kind of known for a specific style of composition. His tunes are somewhat unconventional and unorthodox. Something else he did that was interesting is he never actually named his tunes. He would just show up to a session, play a tune that he had written, and that was that. It was kind of an interesting trial by fire. Either people liked the tune and they would learn it, or they wouldn't, and he didn't really care. He never thought to name the tunes. He would just write them, go to the session, play them, and maybe they caught on and maybe they didn't. That being said, he has about 60 tunes that are in circulation, and they're all called Patty Fahey's. He mostly wrote jigs and reels, but he also has a couple hornpipes floating out there too. Something else that made Patty Fahey's tunes unique is he often used modes instead of scales. Not to get too technical, but basically most of Western music is comprised of a major or minor scale with the note that you start on, the root being the tonic that everything is based around. But when you do modes, you're kind of using the same scales, but you're starting in a different place in the scale. So if you hear like, oh, this is in the Mixolydian mode or Phrygian mode, uh, that's kind of what it means. There's a lady named Maria Holohan who actually went to a university in Ireland and transcribed all of Patty Fahey's music. She kind of did it as her thesis for her master's degree, I believe, through the University of Limerick. Now, this document is hard to find, but it is out there, and if you would like a copy of it, I can send it to you. I found a link to it on thesession.org, but uh, it's a pretty cool resource to have, I think. I kind of like collecting old music or having rare music floating around for a rainy day. Paddy Fahey also didn't really write dance tunes, which is not typical of Irish music. It's predominantly dance music, so this was a little unusual. The common belief is that Paddy tried to write directly to the instrument instead of the dancers. 
He also used a lot of arpeggios, which is basically where you have a chord, and a chord consists of three notes, sometimes four or five even, and you, instead of playing the chord, you play the individual notes that comprise the chord. So he used this technique as the framework for many of his tunes. Both of his parents were musicians, and his father founded the Ogram Slopes Cayley Band. Paddy joined the band in 1940 and toured England, Scotland, and America. He was a bit of a mysterious figure. In an age where you're supposed to commercialize your music and make it as public as possible, like I said, he never did a commercial recording, he never even named his tunes. He was just content to compose and that was it. He seemed to do alright by this because some of his compositions have been covered by some pretty big musicians. Martin Hayes is pretty generally considered one of the best living fiddlers and he covered some of Patty Fahey's music in addition to Kevin Burke, John Carty, Planksty, and the Kane sisters, Liz and Yvonne Kane. In 2001, Fahey was named Composer of the Year by Irish Language TV Station at their annual awards ceremony. The awards ceremony seemed like it would have been a pretty spectacular event to be at. Patty gave a rare public performance alongside fellow fiddler Patty Canny, a harpist, and the band Alton, which is a pretty big Irish band too. Fahey's music was difficult not just because of the notes, but he had a fairly unique style as well. He tended to put more notes into a single bow stroke than most musicians would, which kind of made them even a little harder to pick up. When asked about his writing style, he said this, There's really no answer. It simply comes at times, and that's that. I never think they're good until they are played by someone else. They always put something in it that's missing. I noticed that too. I stumbled across a post on the session.org, which is a big Irish traditional music site, from a user whose username is Chris Stoltz. I'd kind of like to read it verbatim because he really sums this topic up well. He says, Of Paddy Fahey, he was arguably as influential as the old blind harper. He's referencing Turloff O'Carroll in here. With one foot in the 19th century and eyes firmly fixed on the 21st, he solidified the tradition and then changed it. There is an ethereal, unworldly quality to many of his tunes that isn't quite captured by explanations of modes and accidentals, but which rather seems to come from somewhere else entirely. He came of age in the late 1920s, after the church had driven traditional music underground, but the new Irish government had taken first steps in its revival. He would have heard the occasional fiddler or other musician in his hometown, but would have heard a lot of more traditional Cayley bands. His adoption and twisting of the tradition is thus both surprising and awe-inspiring. Who were his models? Playing his own tunes in the 1950s must have been shocking to many musicians and utterly transfixing to others. In an age where every artist is expected to sell their work and promote themselves, Fahey did neither. He never named or published a tune, recorded an album, toured, or for that matter, had a social media account. His publishing was show up at the pub after a day on the farm and play the tune he'd worked out whilst fixing the tractor. If it was good enough, people would tape it and pass the tapes around to learn. Musical debut by fire. It's awesome or it's in the trash. I never met him, but I'll remember him as the consummate artist, a man utterly devoted to and master of his craft, with no regard for its reception. Props, Patty. Again, that post was from Chris Holtz from the session. I spent a lot of time in Galway, where Patty Fahey kind of lived and was from and where a lot of his music circulated, and he did a lot of his compositions directly for some of the performers in that area. I distinctly remember being in the Crane Bar in Galway one night and the session leader kind of talking about Paddy Fahey before I really knew who he was. 
A lot of times in Galway, the music is really interesting. Uh, at pretty much any pub that I've ever been to in any part of the world, I really haven't had a problem picking up tunes or joining in, but I always had issues in Galway. And every time I left, I'd always have this lingering feeling of kind of hopelessness, but intrigue and this desire, this kind of magical energy that kind of sat with me for days. And now kind of looking back in retrospect, all of these feelings are kind of what people describe about with Patty Fahey's music. So I really have to believe that this man had a huge impact on the musical culture of the city there. And with Galway being a very vibrant art city in a already very vibrant art country, that's really saying something. I'm going to take a moment now to read his obituary. Patty passed away peacefully at Portincula Hospital in his 103rd year, surrounded by his loving family. Predeceased by his brother Dan, sisters Jenny Campbell and Annie May, deeply regretted by his loving wife Anne, son Joe, nieces, nephews, cousins, relatives, neighbors, and friends. May Patty's gentle soul rest in peace. Reposing at the Sacred Heart Funeral Home, Kilconnell, on Sunday, 2nd June, from 5 p.m., with removal at 8 p.m., to the Sacred Heart Church Kilconnell Funeral Mass on Monday at 12 noon. Burial afterwards in Kalan Cemetery, Woodlawn. House private, please. Patty Fahey's passing, while I was never really directly connected to him, did kind of resonate with me a lot more than the other podcasts that I have done. I started looking around for some art online, and I actually found an artist named Finn Harper, who has a painting of Patty Fahey available that I ordered. If you're interested in Patty Fahey or art in general, I suggest you check his work out. It's a cool little sketch. As Patty's coffin was carried to the cemetery in which he'd be laying, a group of musicians lined the street and played his music as his coffin was carried. A beautiful ending for a beautiful man. The fiddle is an extremely difficult instrument. It's very frustrating at times, but also very rewarding. I've played guitar for many years, I've sang in choirs and bands, I've played bass, a little bit of drums, harmonica here and there, even a little piano, but being a fiddler is something I want to be. Playing piano and playing guitar, these other things, they're just something that I do, and I can't really explain the draw of the fiddle. I remember distinctly the days of being just completely lost in a session, knowing no tunes, not knowing how to learn tunes, where to go, just being this clueless guy with an instrument who wanted to participate somehow. And after years of really devout hard work, I've kind of progressed to where I can go to sessions now and I'll be a session leader. I've run sessions in Ireland and I can participate in sessions pretty much anywhere that I go at this point. But there was something about Patty Fahey's music that I really attribute to my own growth. Like I said, I remember being in Galway and just leaving with this feeling of frustration and this kind of magical quality that hung with me and it driving me forward to learn and get better. So I do kind of feel like I have a connection with Mr. Fahey on some level. With all that being said, I'm now going to try and do a tribute to Patty himself by playing one of his tunes, Patty Fahey's. I don't know which number it is, but it's a rendition that I learned from a Kevin Burke video online. So here we go.
there you go, Patty. I hope I did you proud. And thanks for all the tunes. And thank you for listening. According to my podcast feed, I have over a thousand subscribers now. So thank you to all of you out there who find this podcast worthwhile enough of your time. Liking me on Facebook or following my YouTube page is really helpful, or if you're feeling really generous, even going to my Patreon page and making a donation is extremely helpful. Immediately before this podcast, I had to replace my audio box, which is the device that converts the analog signal of my voice to the digital signal that is used by the recording software that I use. All the donations that I get go directly back into making the show better. This is definitely a labor of love, and I have no intentions or desire to get rich or wealthy off doing it, so just knowing that someone is out there and listening and enjoying it is really what I'm hoping to gain from this. So again, the social media stuff, following on YouTube, it's all really helpful, and especially leaving a review or a rating in the podcast store wherever you listen. It helps bring exposure to the podcast by having my podcast feed show up higher in the different podcast apps that you might use. I do ask that if you feel inclined to leave a negative review that you contact me and let me know why and give me a chance to fix it before leaving one. Those can be hard to recover from, especially when uh, you have uh, only a few reviews like I do. But either way, you are free to leave whatever reviews you wish. I do have one more project that I'm going to add to the Wandering Bard umbrella. I'm going to call it something to the effect of the treasure hunt game or the quest game. And basically, this is going to be a, a separate page on the website. There's going to be a song with an accompanying video. And embedded within the video is going to be a clue to a location with the song having some thematic relevance to it. Then... At the location, there's going to be some kind of uh, reward, like a statue or a letter or something like that. Um, it's still in the works. I've got the first song recorded, and uh, I'm working on the video for it. I just got to get the location now. It's kind of going to be like geocaching with a bit of a twist, you might think of it as. I'm trying to make something that's very immersive and uh, uh, all-around experience through music. Um, so be on the lookout for that. So thank you again for joining me this week. Um, I did something a little different with the Lord Franklin episode that I'm also going to do with this episode. Um, due to the, the nature of the content and the somber topic and my desire to pay tribute, I'm going to pour a dram of whiskey and then observe 10 seconds of silence and then close the podcast. Paddy was an Irish working man, so I have a bottle of Jameson here that I think is befitting of him. Until next time, be bold, be kind, and safe travels wherever your wandering takes you.